We all have that friend who wakes up early to go get everyone McDonald's breakfast while the rest of us sleep in. This is your sign to thank them. And if you're that friend, this is us saying thank you. Now get a sausage McMuffin, sausage biscuit, sausage burrito, or hash browns. Choose two for $2.50. Enjoy a large iced coffee for just $2. Price of participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer or combo meal. Single item at regular price. Great news. For a limited time, you can get one month free of Spectrum Mobile service. That's right. One month free with any new line. This exclusive offer is only available at select Spectrum stores. So stop by today. Our team of mobile experts are ready to help you switch and save hundreds on your mobile bill. Don't miss out on this incredible offer. Come see us at Market at Hilliard, Taylor Square, and Waterloo Crossing. Spectrum Internet and auto pay required. Restrictions apply. Visit store for details. All hit radio. To the X Zone, a place where fact is fiction and fiction is reality. Now, here's your host, Rob McConnell. Welcome back to the Exxon, everyone. My name is Rob McConnell. We're coming to you from our broadcast center in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada. Worldwide, toll-free, 800-610-7035. Email exxon at exxonradiotv.com. On all social media sites, Exxon Radio TV. And our main website, where you can listen to the Exxon, 724-365, is www.exxonradiotv.com. And we're coming to you around the world on the Exxon Broadcast Network, iHeartRadio, Clear Channel, CBS, and of course, our good friends at Turquoise Radio. My guest this hour is Professor Alan M. Dershowitz of the Harvard Law School, and we're going to be talking to Professor Dershowitz about his new book entitled Terror Tunnels, The Case for Israel's Just War Against Hamas. And Professor, welcome to the Exxon. Well, thank you so much for having me on. It's great having you on, sir. I've been a fan of yours for many years, and it's a great pleasure and honor talking to you. Um, tell us a little bit about yourself, Professor, and how you decided to follow the um, the course of civil liberties law over your career. Well, I grew up in Brooklyn, New York, right after the Holocaust, and my parents uh, really, really emphasized uh, defending the underdog and the underprivileged and uh, being available to help people in need. So all my life I've tried to um, defend civil liberties, uh, freedom of speech, um, civil rights, equality for people of different races and religions and genders. And, um, you know, I was lucky to have a career which allowed me to do it, teaching full-time at Harvard for 50 years, wow. and also being able to litigate cases in the Supreme Court and other federal and state courts around the country and indeed around the world uh, litigating issues. I worked very closely with a great Canadian lawyer named Erwin Kotler, uh, who uh, he and I together worked on many cases involving dissidents in the Soviet Union and South Africa and other parts of the world. When you look at what's happening in the world today, Professor, um, 
how come this world of ours is so screwed up and there's so many atrocities happening and it seems that we're stuck in a limbo state with a lot of talk and little action? Well, uh, the worst villain in this regard is the United Nations. I'm sitting literally uh, a few hundred yards away from the beautiful United Nations building. But the United Nations has been the major villain in this regard. They have ignored genocides around the world since the Holocaust. Six million uh, people have been killed in preventable genocides uh, because the UN cares only about one issue, and that's they debate it endlessly, and that is Israel, 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 Israel. So go back to 1975. The Cambodians were killing three million people, maybe five million. We don't know, three to five million people. Not a single resolution condemning Cambodia but uh, hundreds of resolutions condemning Israel, including the notorious vote equating Zionism with racism. During the Rwanda uh, massacres, no emphasis on Rwanda, tremendous emphasis on uh, Israel. Darfur, same thing. The United Nations is obsessed, obsessed with the imperfections of one democracy in the Middle East, Israel. And they use it as an excuse, as a cover for not caring about what's going on in the rest of the world. And the victims of this are not Israel. Israel can defend itself. The victims of this are the people, uh, the victims of genocide, who are killed because the UN does nothing. Why is the UN so... Why why does the UN treat Israel the way it does? Well, first of all, the hard left has uh, created... uh, Israel is the villain. They have selected one country to focus all their attention on. And, you know, you you go and speak, as I have done at the University of Toronto, at uh, uh, McGill University, at Concordia, at York, uh, any of the the schools, and you find just tremendous demonization by hard-left faculty members, trade unionists, and and others. Uh, They have picked one country to demonize. It's a way of uh, avoiding any kind of focus on the failures of other countries, whether it be countries of the left and, and, or others. And, and then the left has also uh, adopted Hamas. Um, you get many on the left thinking of Hamas as a progressive organization deserving of the support of the left, even though Hamas oppresses women, murders Christians, murders gays, uh, murders dissidents, has no semblance of due process, has a charter which is very similar to ISIS's, wanting to create um, a uh, caliphate around Mm -hmm. the world, not accepting any kind of religious dissent, and yet people on the hard left uh, uh, just gather around and become cheerleaders. I'm not talking about only in Canada and the United States, Bishop Tutu, Jimmy Carter. Um, It's hard to understand, but they they have blood on their hands for failing to address the major problems of the world and focusing on one country instead. And if you look at the UN Council on Human Rights, more than 60% of all their resolutions mm-hmm. deal with one tiny, tiny country the size of New Jersey in the United States right. with a population you know, the size of um, most uh, major cities in the United States and Canada. One tiny little country is the focus of virtually everything the UN is doing, and virtually everything Amnesty International is doing, Human Rights Watch is Professor? doing. So, you know, the focus has been so exclusive that other people suffer. We'll be back in two minutes. XO Nation, my special guest this hour is Professor Alan Dershowitz. We'll be back. Don't go away. Welcome back, everyone. Uh, Professor Alan M. Dershowitz of the Harvard Law School is our special guest this hour. 
He's got a new book out. It's entitled Terror Tunnels, The Case for Israel's Just War Against Hamas. It's available on Amazon.com and fine bookstores everywhere. Uh, Professor, is it possible that the UN has lost its need in today's society? It's worse than that. If the UN uh, were to disappear today, mm-hmm. not only would that uh, not make a difference, it would actually improve the situation. Right now, the UN has become part of the problem, not part of the solution. There are some agencies at the UN that do good, but when it comes to the Middle East, they have indeed served the causes of, uh, of war, not peace. Um, for example, when they condemn Israel for its self-defense against Hamas, it just encourages Hamas to do it over and over and over again. When they keep Palestinians in refugee camps for now 65 years, going on 66, 67 years, instead of trying to resettle them in other countries. You know, there have been 100 million refugees uh, around the world since the Second World War. All of them have been settled. Uh, When uh, India and Pakistan broke up, there were, you know, tens of millions of refugees in Cyprus, millions, uh, hundreds of thousands of refugees in all parts of the world. But only the Palestinian refugees are kept by the U.N. in camps to fester the hatred. So on balance, if you ask me today, is the world better off with the U.N. or worse off with the U.N., I think it's considerably worse off. You know, I, I understand what you were talking about before, Professor, about, you know, that, that one country is picked uh, so that basically it's an escape goat for everything else that goes wrong and everywhere else, and everybody just focuses on this one country. But why, why Israel? Why Israel? Well, Israel, it- because it's the nation-state of the Jewish people, and it plays into old hatreds. Um, you know, anti-Semitism is the oldest of prejudices, the oldest of discriminations, and the most persistent. It started out as a theological basis uh, based on, you know, the misreading of some of the Gospels. Right. It moved on to racial uh, basis during the 1890s, ending in the, in the Holocaust. Now it's, uh, you know, uh, anti-Zionism has morphed into anti-Semitism in many parts of the world and on many college campuses. You know, it starts as, we don't like Israeli's policies, we don't like Israel, we don't like Zionism, we don't like pushy Jews, we don't like uh, people who control the media, people who control the banks, people who control the world. So it plays in the nation-state of the Jewish people, Israel, has become the Jew among nations and has become the object of hatred among hard left, among Islamic radicals, many of them, and among old-fashioned fascists, such as those that still are ascending to power in countries like Greece and Hungary recently. Well, I disagree with all that. I, I, I've, I've never understood it, and maybe that's, maybe that's just me, but the people that I know that I talk to can't understand why this hatred still exists. Like, anyway, yeah. I, I find it very perplexing, sir. It's very perplexing. You would need Freud and Sartre and all the geniuses in the world sitting in a room to understand why people have that kind of hatred and yeah. why it persists and why, you know, criticism of Israel is fine. I'm critical of some of its policies. Um, you know, Israelis are critical sure. of Israel. Uh, Haaretz newspaper is very critical of Israeli policies. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about the utter demonization, yeah. you know, saying it's worse than Nazism, calling it the worst human rights offender in the world when it has one of the best records of human rights in the world, 
Or take, for example, what a number of gay and lesbian leaders now have called pinkwashing. They say, sure, Israel is the best country in the Middle East for gays and lesbians, but the reason Israel is so good to gays is to cover up what they're doing to the Palestinians. So it's pinkwashing, whitewashing with a a pink color. I mean, that's the essence of anti-Semitism, when anything somebody does whether it's good or bad, is, is identified with bad motives. So Israel's good to gays, it must have a bad motive, because Jews really, really can't be good. And, and the worst part of that is the people who perpetuate that myth, many of them are Jews. Um, people like Noam Chomsky and Norman Finkelstein, and a woman named Judith Butler, and a man named Gilad Atzmon. Uh, there's a lot of self-loathing that goes on in every community, but mm-hmm. particularly within elements of the hard left in the Jewish community. Your book, Terror Tunnels, The Case for Israel's Just War Against Hamas. Um, Mm -hmm. Why why do you say that ISIS is America's Hamas? Well, ISIS is beginning to follow Hamas's policies. Um, Hamas has developed what I call the dead baby strategy. You put your your rockets next to children, next Mm -hmm. to hospitals, next to schools. You build your tunnels uh, underneath mosques and homes and hospitals. And you expect that if Israel retaliates, they will kill some children, and then they're ready to show the children on television uh, and and demonize Israel. Um, uh, ISIS is now beginning to put its fighters in civilian areas. They're going to use the same strategy. They use the media. They're very. We all have that friend who wakes up early to go get everyone McDonald's breakfast, but the rest of us sleep in. This is your sign to thank them. And if you're that friend, this is us saying. Thank you. Now get a sausage McMuffin, sausage biscuit, sausage burrito, or hash browns. Choose two for two fifty. Enjoy a large iced coffee for just two dollars. Price of participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. A combo meal, single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Great news! For a limited time, you can get one month free of Spectrum Mobile service. That's right, one month free with any new line. This exclusive offer is only available at select Spectrum stores. So stop by today. Our team of mobile experts are ready to help you switch and save hundreds on your mobile bill. Don't miss out on this incredible offer. Come see us at Market at Hilliard, Taylor Square, and Waterloo Crossing. Spectrum Internet and auto pay required. Restrictions apply. Visit store for details. Very effective. Uh, They both want to have caliphates. They both want to end... Uh, Christianity and Judaism and and um, in, in, in cases of ISIS, uh, Shia, Islam, and uh, some Sunnis who don't agree with them. And um, it's uh, Hamas is more localized, ISIS is more generalized, but their policies are very, very similar, and you have to fight them in the same way. And, you know, President Obama wants to destroy ISIS, wants to use targeted assassination against ISIS leaders, but then he criticizes Israel for doing the same thing. Remember, ISIS is far away from the United States and Canada. Hamas is right around the corner. It's right on the border with Israel. I was in one of the tunnels. The reason I wrote my book, Terror Tunnels, is I was in one of the tunnels before the war began, before it was widely known that they had these tunnels, and they are extremely dangerous. The one I was in was just yards away from a kindergarten with 57 children. The goal of the tunnel was to kill and kidnap as many of these children as possible, and no country in the world would ever, ever tolerate um, uh, tunnels being dug under their territories. I recently wrote an article in the Times of London challenging Ed Miliband, who is the uh, minority leader and wants to run for the prime ministership. He, he criticized Israel for sending troops into Gaza to destroy the tunnels. And I asked him what he would have done if he was the prime minister of England and some Scottish independence radicals were to build tunnels 
uh, into Newcastle to try to kill uh, English citizens, that he mm-hmm. better tell the voters how he would deal with that before they decide who to vote for, because there's so much hypocrisy that goes on when it comes to the Middle East, and that's why I wrote Terra Tunnels. In your opinion, sir, why is it that people seem to be backing away from ISIS, not standing up to them? Well, for um, for people in, in North America, of course, ISIS doesn't pose an immediate threat. We haven't seen, I mean, we've seen, obviously, these horrible beheadings sure. of, um, of Americans and other nationals of other countries. But it hasn't yet. It hasn't been like 9-11 where something happens directly in our country or even some of the most recent attacks in Canada. It will happen, and I don't think we'll be backing away. Uh, also, ISIS seems to be getting a little weaker, but I think we're making a terrible mistake when we say to Iran, look, we'll be soft on your nuclear program if you help us defeat ISIS. Iran needs our help more than we need their help. Uh, ISIS poses a direct threat to the Shia nation of Iran and only an indirect threat to North American countries. You've written many books on Israel and Mm anti-Semitism. Could you paint a picture of the current conflict and, and why it's different from the past? Well, what we're seeing is tremendous increases in anti-Semitism around the world, three different kinds. One, you see it in countries like Greece and Hungary, old-fashioned, right-wing, nationalistic, fascist anti-Semitism, of the kind that obviously was experienced during the Second World War with mm-hmm. Hitler. Um, that's two countries. Then in countries like France and England and Holland, we're seeing increases in Islamic anti-Semitism, not certainly by all Muslims, but by too many radical Muslims who are attacking Jews physically. And then third, we're seeing an increase in academic uh, anti-Semitism, hard left anti-Semitism. Starts with anti-Zionism and morphs into anti-Semitism. And that uh, combination has proved to be very, very dangerous. And then, of course, you see Iran, the most uh, anti-Semitic country in the world, with a desire to not only destroy Israel, but to destroy the Jewish people, and to export terrorism. It's the greatest exporter of terrorism in the world today, trying to get a nuclear weapon. And if they get a nuclear weapon, every country in the world is in danger. President Obama called it a game changer, and yet he seemed prepared to make a deal that would allow Iran to become a threshold nuclear nation. That's extremely, extremely dangerous. Looking back at what happened on September the 11th, Mm-hmm. Why would why would the United States and other nations wait for the war to come to us instead of stopping it and, and saving lives and putting ISIS off the map? Why not? Because President Obama made a commitment when he ran for office not to put troops on the ground. His goal was to remove troops, and he has. He removed them from Iraq, and he's removing them from Afghanistan, and he has pledged not to put troops on the ground. You can't beat ISIS without troops on the ground. Right. Now, I don't think they have to be American troops. They can mm-hmm. be Jordanian troops and Saudi troops. Those are the countries that are most at risk, but you're going to need troops on the ground. And ISIS can be destroyed if there's the will to do it, the determination and a willingness to commit ground troops from Arab countries in the area. Uh, you know, all right, so the president said that he wasn't going to do it, but when he made that commitment, ISIS wasn't doing what it's doing now. ISIS wasn't beheading American citizens. Right, and he said they were a junior varsity. You know, he was wrong about that. And his uh, chief military operative, General Dempsey, has recently said, we may have to recommend troops on the ground. It may have to happen. Look, the same thing happened with uh, Israel when 
the rockets were coming into Israel, uh, Prime Minister ben, uh, Netanyahu said, no, I'm, we're not going to send ground troops. We're just going to try to destroy the rockets from the air. But once Hamas started to use the tunnels mm-hmm. and tunnel themselves into Israel, a very reluctant uh, Netanyahu finally had to send in troops on the ground. And that resulted in the tunnels being shut down. And I think in the end, there will have to be troops on the ground, whether they be American or come, come from other countries. There's no doubt there will have to be troops on the ground. You and I have to take our news break at the bottom of the hour. Please stand by. Mm-hmm. Exonation, our guest this hour is Professor Alan M. Dershowitz. He is a professor at the Harvard Law School. His, uh, his most recent book is entitled Terror Tunnels, The Case from Israel's Just War Against Hamas. But he's the author of 27 nonfiction works and two novels. More than a million of his books have been sold worldwide in more than a dozen different languages. Now, to find out more about uh, Professor Dershowitz, or if you'd like to order his books, go to Amazon.com, or you can go to your favorite bookstore. And uh, the good doc, uh, the good professor and I will be back on the other side of this commercial break with the news as we continue discussing terror tunnels, the case for Israel's just war against Hamas. As the Exxon continues with yours truly, Rob McConnell from our broadcast center in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada. Once again, if you'd like to listen to the Exxon 724-365, you can visit our website at www.exxonradiotv.com. We'll be back on the other side of this news break. Don't go away. Welcome back, everyone. This is the Exxon. I am Rob McConnell. My special guest this hour is Professor Alan M. Dershowitz. He's got a new book out. It's entitled Terror Tunnels, The Case for Israel's Just War Against Hamas. It's available on Amazon.com and fine bookstores everywhere. Um, I was wondering if you could describe the, do- the double war crimes created by Hamas and how the UN and international community are, are complicit. Yeah. Well, in Terror Tunnels, I tell the story about how Hamas... Um, uses human shields to protect its weapons mm-hmm. and its terrorists. I mean, the difference between Israel and Hamas is Israel uses its soldiers to protect its civilians, and Hamas uses its civilians to protect its soldiers and its rockets. And uh, every time Hamas fires a rocket from a densely populated area instead of one of the open areas between the cities in Gaza, every time it fires a rocket from human shields, from behind human shields, at Israeli civilians, it commits a double war crime. It's a war crime to use human shields, and it's a war crime to send rockets at non-military targets, civilian targets. So Hamas constantly uh, engages in double war crimes, and yet when the UN investigates, they put all the blame on Israel. Um, uh, uh, Colonel uh, Richard Kemp, who was the head of uh, NATO forces in Afghanistan and a British military expert, recently went to Israel and examined what they've done during this war, and he said that no country in history has ever gone to greater lengths to try to protect enemy civilians. They send texts, they make phone calls, they drop leaflets, 
They send little noise bombs on the roofs of the houses to warn people to get out. But Hamas makes them go back to the houses at gunpoint sometimes. And if you even go on Hamas television, you can see leaders bragging about how they use uh, uh, the elderly, children, women as human shields, shahids, martyrs. And uh, the U.N. ignores that, and they issue report after report blaming Israel for the civilian casualties. It, the analogy would be this. If I went into a bank and robbed it at gunpoint, and then the police came in, and I grabbed the child as a hostage, and I held him up to my chest, and I fired from behind him and started killing civilians, uh, customers, and the police, in an effort to stop me from killing customers, shot at me but accidentally killed the child. Who would be responsible for that? Not the police but the person who took the hostage. That's right. And that should be the same with uh, human shields uh, in the context of asymmetrical warfare, such as the kind that Hamas wages. And yet the UN just doesn't see that, and it blames Israel for killing the human shields instead of Hamas for firing from behind human shields. And that just encourages Hamas to do it over and over and over again. They do it every two years on schedule. They lose on the ground, but they win in the court of public opinion. They win on academic campuses. They win in the media. They win at the United Nations. They win in front of international tribunals. So, of course, they're going to do it over and over and over again. So the United Nations shares some of the blame for why there have been so many civilian casualties. By the way, the number of civilian casualties pales in comparison with the numbers in other parts of the world. In Syria, hundreds of thousands of people have been killed. Uh, in all of Israel's wars, fewer than that have been killed. So uh, you have to ask again the question, why Israel? How about the media? What culpability does the media have in this entire... Very substantial. Yeah. Uh, here's what happens. The media goes where the pictures are, yeah, particularly it, television. Sure, if you don't So it, don't they leave. go and, mm -hmm. and take pictures of the dead babies that Hamas is showing, because Hamas shows them off, and it's very easy. But they never show the pictures of the rockets being launched from the schools, from the UN, from hospitals, from mosques, because Hamas doesn't let them do that. Uh, during the recent Gaza war, an Indian television cameraman from his hotel room managed to photograph a rocket being sent from right near a UN school. And the person who lit the rocket lights it and then runs into a tunnel, which is a shelter. So he's not there. And when Israel retaliates, of course, it retaliates by trying to destroy the rocket, but the rocket is near a school. So there's, there's a, there are a few videos of that, but mostly what the media shows is just dead children and the body count. You know, 1,200 Palestinians died, only 63 or 67 Israelis died. So Israel must be doing something wrong. No, Israel... We all have that friend who wakes up early to go get everyone McDonald's breakfast while the rest of us sleep in. This is your sign to thank them. And if you're that friend, this is us saying thank you. Now get a sausage McMuffin, sausage biscuit, sausage burrito, or hash browns. Choose two for $2.50. Enjoy a large iced coffee for just $2. Price of participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer or combo meal. Single item at regular price. Ba -da -ba -ba -ba. Great news. For a limited time, you can get one month free of Spectrum Mobile service. That's right. One month free with any new line. This exclusive offer is only available at select Spectrum stores. So stop by today. Our team of mobile experts are ready to help you switch and save hundreds on your mobile bill. Don't miss out on this incredible offer. Come see us at Market at Hilliard, Taylor Square, and Waterloo Crossing. Spectrum Internet and auto pay required. Restrictions apply. Visit store for details.
to build shelters everywhere in the country. Builds, you know, it builds um, um, Iron Dome, and, and it does everything to protect its civilians. Whereas Hamas won't let any civilians into their shelters. Only fighters, only terrorists are allowed into the shelters. So, of course, you're going to get a much larger number of deaths among Palestinians than you are against among Israelis. And the media doesn't bother to explain. It just states the figures and shows the pictures, and that distorts reality. In your opinion, which country has the worst media that attributes to the unjust cause that's going on against Israel? Well, the most interesting thing is that Al Jazeera is one of the fairest, um, um, even though it's owned by Qatari Arab mm-hmm. um, um, media interests. They have been, I think maybe they lean over backwards, they've been quite fair. Uh, the New York Times has been very unfair in the way it has um, uh, described and, 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 and written about the, uh, the various uh, wars. Um, the um, Manchester Guardian has been unfair. The Times of London has been fair. It varies newspaper by newspaper and country by country. Um, most of the Canadian press has been very fair, um, but uh, different countries and different newspapers have different approaches. Why do you think there's been such an upsurge in terrorism? Because it works. Terrorism uh-huh. works. We reward terrorism. We, you know, we have taken the Palestinian cause as the major cause of the hard left and of many in the media today. Mm-hmm. And why are the Palestinians today elevated over the Kurds? Because they use terrorism. Uh, Palestinians invented basically uh, terrorism. They hijacked airplanes. They blew up synagogues. They blew up the Olympics. They did all those terrible things, and yet they're rewarded for it. They're given statehood by the United Nations General Assembly. And as long as we reward terrorism, terrorism will persist and will get worse. So you want to stop terrorism, stop rewarding it, stop encouraging it. But we encourage it, and then we bemoan it when it happens. And once again, the media plays right into that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, is Hamas a legitimate social movement, as uh, Bishop Desmond Tutu and the former President Jimmy Carter contend? They probably would have also contended that the Nazis were a legitimate movement. They had schools, they fed the poor. Um, so, no, I think when you use terrorism and you use human shields, you can't claim to be a legitimate social movement, even when you provide basic services to some of the people. The Ku Klux Klan did the same thing. The Black Panther Party did the mm-hmm. same thing. They all provided services. That's a means toward the end of uh, trying to justify their terrorism. So the answer is no. Uh, Bishop Tutu and uh, uh, Jimmy Carter are wrong when they say that Hamas is a legitimate political organization. You can't be a legitimate political organization when you murder your opponents, when you hang uh, dissidents, when you shoot uh, gays, when you uh, oppress women, uh, and you do all the things Hamas is doing. So the answer is no. Jimmy Carter and Bishop Tutu are dead wrong. Exonation, our special guest this hour is Professor Alan M. Dershowitz. He has a new book out. It's entitled Terror Tunnels, The Case for Israel's Just War Against Hamas. It's available on Amazon.com and find bookstores everywhere. Uh, Professor, what is the double standard placed on Israel in its defensive war with Hamas? Well, it's so interesting because if you look at what Israel has done, it's exactly what uh, Great Britain has done, what France has done, Mm -hmm. what the NATO countries have done. Uh, what the United States has done, and yet it's judged far more harshly. And, of course, it's uh, far less um, uh, dangerous than what Russia is doing right now, going into the Ukraine, and what 
um, so many other countries have done in terms of aggressive uh, warfare, mm -hmm. and yet uh, Israel is subjected to a different standard. What I always ask the world is just create a single standard. Tell people how to fight wars when your opponents use human shields and fire from densely populated areas. Then apply whatever that rule is universally. But you can't say there's one rule for Israel and another rule for every other country in the world. And that's exactly what Amnesty International, Human Rights Watch, the United Nations, and many on the hard left are doing, applying a different and much more onerous standard to Israel. Is there any way for Israel to win the PR war against Hamas's um, dead baby strategy? Well, they have to keep telling the truth, and they have to keep... Um, I mean, one of the reasons I wrote Terror Tunnels mm -hmm. is, as I wrote in the introduction, I have only one weapon in this war, and that's my words, and uh, my, my commitment to truth and, and my own integrity. And so, um, you know, I think people have to expose what they're doing. The world has to know it. And uh, the, the campaign has to be fought not only on the battlefields, but in courts of law and in international chambers and diplomacy. And, uh, you know, many world leaders support Israel, obviously, the Canadian prime minister, the U.S. prime minister, the British prime minister, the U.S. president, and uh, many of the leaders do. And it's, it's often the hard-left academics and hard-left media that doesn't. And so uh, the fight is often between the government and uh, and people on on the on the hard left, including some trade unionists, hmm. who are virulently anti-Israel. Now, how did the Goldstone report muddy the waters and and hinder the peace process? By putting the blame on Israel and saying that there was no evidence that uh, Hamas used human shields, that was a joke. Uh, and when Goldstone himself uh, looked at some of the data, he changed his mind, and he said the report wouldn't have been the same if he knew then what he knew now. Um, and they made a mockery of the United Nations by refusing to find that Hamas used human shields. Um, we know that they do. There's videotape of it. Mm -hmm. There's videotape of Hezbollah in Lebanon using human shields. It's become the, the, the tactic that works. And when the Goldstone report came out blaming Israel, saying Israel deliberately targeted civilians, why would Israel ever want to kill a single civilian? Anytime a civilian is killed, Israel loses. It loses in the court of public opinion. It loses among its own citizens. It loses in the media. It loses at the UN. So Israel goes to extraordinary lengths to avoid civilian casualties, but sometimes you can't avoid them yeah. when the uh, other side is firing rockets and building tunnels from behind human shields. You have to protect your own citizens. Your own citizens have to come before the citizens of your enemy country. But, uh, you know, Israel gets blamed for that. And, uh, you know, you can criticize any country's policies, but the criticism leveled at Israel is so extreme and so emotional that it's hard to explain on rational terms. I call it totally unjustified. Mm-hmm. You're right. Um, what mistakes has the United States made, and, and what role should the U.S. play in the future, sir? Well, what I worry about in the future is making a bad deal with Iran. That would be a game-changer. Yes. That would give the country that exports terror more than any other country nuclear terror capabilities, and it shouldn't be allowed to happen. And I'm afraid that there may be a deal in the works that would allow Iran to become a threshold nuclear state. That is, it wouldn't have the bomb yet, but it would have the capability of producing the bomb very quickly and very invisibly. And that's the great danger. And the other danger is not to put more pressure on the Palestinians to come to the bargaining table. I don't mind 
putting pressure on Israel to come to the bargaining table. Mm-hmm. I support the two-state solution. I support the end of settlements in, in, in the West Bank. I support uh, anything that would lead to peace, anything reasonably that would lead to peace with the Palestinians without reducing Israel's security. Um, and, but that by recognizing the Palestinian state unilaterally, the message is sent to the Palestinian leaders, you don't have to compromise. You don't have to bargain. You don't have to give up anything. We're going to recognize you no matter what. And that makes it harder for there to be a mutually arrived at peace. If by some wonderful power you were made to be part or you were invited to be part of the peace process, what mm-hmm. would you do, sir? Well, I would start at the end. I would say, here's what a two-state solution should look like. Mm -hmm. And I would ask both countries to seriously consider what a two-state solution would look like. And it would mean that there would be some territorial swaps. Israel would keep some of the settlements very close to the green line. It would give up the settlements outside, and in exchange for the settlements it kept, it would give some land to the Palestinian state, uh, both in the uh, north and a little bit in the south to create a link between Gaza and the uh, West Bank. Uh, so I would start at the end. I would say, here's what it should look like. Mm-hmm. Do you agree? Do you disagree? Where do you disagree? Where do you agree? Let's let's negotiate from an end position instead of starting from the beginning. In your opinion, is peace going to come soon? No. Not soon, because the um, Swedish government, the UN, the British government are saying to the Palestinians, hey, you don't have to negotiate or bargain. We're going to recognize you. We're going to establish diplomatic relations with a Palestinian state, even though it has no borders, and you haven't come to a peace agreement with Israel. We're going to do it for you uh, instead of requiring you to sit down and bargain and negotiate. So I think that's become one of the biggest barriers to peace now. If it was, uh, if if there was something that could be done in the court of public opinion, that would turn the tide and open the eyes on to what is really happening and showing that Israel wasn't the cause of all these problems. In your opinion, what would it be? Well, first of all, people have to remember the recent past. Forget about the distant past. Mm-hmm. In two thousand and one, Israel offered the Palestinians a state on ninety eight percent of the West Bank and Gaza. Arafat said no and responded with an intifada in which 4,000 people were killed. In 2008, uh, Omer offered the Palestinians a state even more generously, and they never responded. Uh, And so the blame has to be shared. Uh, Israel can do more, but certainly the Palestinians had opportunities over the years. In 1938, 1948, 1967, 1993, they were offered opportunities to have two states, Mm -hmm. and they essentially rejected it. Because I think deep down many Palestinians are more opposed to there being a nation-state of the Jewish people than they are favorable to having a Palestinian state. Their goal is to make sure that Israel does not exist. And that has to be known. And again, the reason I wrote Terra Tunnels is to present a balanced approach to how this kind of warfare should be fought and how a two-state solution could be achieved if there is the will on both sides. Professor, please stand by. You and I have to take our final break for this hour. Exonation Professor Alan Dershowitz of the Harvard Law School is our special guest. His new book is entitled Terror Tunnels, The Case for Israel's Just War Against Hamas. It's available at Amazon.com and fine bookstores everywhere. We'll be back on the other side of this break as we continue here in the Exxon from our broadcast center 
in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada. We all have that friend who wakes up early to go get everyone McDonald's breakfast while the rest of us sleep in. This is your sign to thank them. And if you're that friend, this is us saying thank you. Now get a sausage McMuffin, sausage biscuit, sausage burrito, or hash browns. Choose two for $2.50. Enjoy a large iced coffee for just $2. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer or combo meal. Single item at regular price. Great news. For a limited time, you can get one month free of Spectrum Mobile service. That's right. One month free with any new line. This exclusive offer is only available at select Spectrum stores. So stop by today. Our team of mobile experts are ready to help you switch and save hundreds on your mobile bill. Don't miss out on this incredible offer. Come see us at Market at Hilliard, Taylor Square, and Waterloo Crossing. Spectrum Internet and auto pay required. Restrictions apply. Visit store for details. Go away. Explanation. Our guest this hour has been Professor Alan Dershowitz, WW. I'm sorry. The name of his book is Terror Tunnels, The Case for Israel's Just War Against Hamas. And his book is available on Amazon.com and fine bookstores everywhere. First of all, Professor, thank you so much for coming on the show tonight. It's been a great pleasure. Oh, thank you. It's been my pleasure and my honor to be on your show. And thank you for all the work that you've done over the years. As I said, I've, you know, I'm a fan of yours and it's nice to know that there are people like you out there who are trying to make such a great difference in these trying times, and uh, mm-hmm. please keep Well, I appreciate that. I couldn't do what I do without the help of Erwin Cutler, who was one of the great you know, Canadians, one yeah. of the great human beings in the world. Here's a guy who ought to win the Nobel Peace Prize one of these days, uh, and he's, he's done tremendous work uh, as a minister in Canada and as a member of the, of the Parliament. Uh, what, in your opinion, sir, is the tragic lesson of, Ga- of Gaza? Well, the tragic lesson is that uh, terrorism works, using human shields works, mm-hmm. that uh, allowing civilians to die work, um, that the methods used by Hamas succeed because the media allows them to succeed, the international community allows them to succeed, the United Nations, Amnesty International, Human Rights Watch, and it's going to continue, it's going to persist. You'd think after they did it once, the lesson would be learned twice, three times. But at the end of my book, I have a chapter in which I summarize the book, and I say, here's the 12-step solution for assuring that it will happen again and again and again and again. And I go through the 12 things that essentially the world is doing today. And then I said, here's my two-step solution for making sure it never happens again, and that is condemn Hamas for its use of human shields and for its double war crimes and disarm Hamas. Make sure it can't build more rockets and more tunnels. If the world would only do that, we would see peace coming to the Middle East. As Benjamin Netanyahu once said, if Hamas would disarm, there'd be peace. If Israel would disarm, there'd be genocide. And I think everybody understands that Israel must have weapons, including nuclear weapons, to protect itself against the threat of genocide. 
But if you let Iran have nuclear weapons, if you let Hamas continue to build tunnels and build rockets, that's an invitation to repeated warfare over and over again and more and more civilian deaths. But I'm not optimistic about this. Uh, you know, they say in, 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 in Israel, a pessimist is one who says things are so bad they can't get worse. An optimist is somebody who says, yes, they can get worse. <laughs> so, you know, it's hard to know whether to be an optimist or a pessimist. But unless the U.N. changes and the world changes and the international community changes, we're going to see war after war after war in the Middle East, all started by Hamas. We have about 50 seconds left, sir. What is your message for the world tonight? learn, just listen, get facts, don't be uh, influenced by propaganda, read, uh, learn the facts, get behind the headlines, and decide for yourself, and have nuanced approaches to the Middle East. Don't demonize uh, Israel, don't engage in extremism on either side, and um, I think if you, if you learn the truth, uh, you will agree with the conclusion of my book that Israel's war against Hamas was a just war. Congratulations on your book, sir. Keep Thank the great you. work up, and I hope we have the opportunity of once again speaking to you here in the Exxon. That would be very nice. I appreciate it. Thank Good night, you. Professor. Explanation, our guest this hour has been Professor Alan Dershowitz. He is the author of Terror Tunnels, The Case for Israel's Just War Against Hamas. It's available at Amazon.com and fine bookstores everywhere. Well, that's it for tonight, Exxon Nation. I'll be back on the other side of the news as once again we continue here in the Exxon from our broadcast center in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada. Once again, 1-800-610-7035. Email exxon at exxonradiotv.com. On all social media sites, Exxon Radio TV. And you can listen to us 724-365 at www.exxonradiotv.com. I'll be back on the other side of this break. Don't go away. have that friend who wakes up early to go get everyone McDonald's breakfast but the rest of us sleep in this is your sign to thank them and if you're that friend this is us saying thank you now get a sausage McMuffin sausage biscuit sausage burrito or hash browns choose two for $2.50 enjoy a large iced coffee for just $2 price of participation may vary cannot be combined with any other offer a combo meal single item at regular price we all have that friend who wakes up early to go get everyone McDonald's breakfast but the rest of us sleep in. This is your sign to thank them. And if you're that friend, this is us saying thank you. Now get a sausage McMuffin, sausage biscuit, sausage burrito, or hash browns. Choose two for $2.50. Enjoy a large iced coffee for just $2. Price of participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer or combo meal. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.